Hello everybody and welcome back to the virtual press box with Ricky Ramos. Tonight, I'm going to update you on how everything's looking in the NFL after week 14. And now since the Monday Night Football game just ended, I'm going to go over that too. We had the Patriots and Cardinals, and man, there were a lot of injuries. Ramondre Stevenson's hurt, a DB for the Patriots. James Conner was hurt for a drive. And the biggest injury of them all, Kyler Murray. He got carted off. He threw one pass today. Uh, it was a non-contact knee injury. And from what they're saying, it's a pretty bad knee injury. He hated it for the guy. He just got paid and everything. But some of the players earlier this year said that they felt like the team's more organized a Colt McCoy at quarterback. I don't know if you would want that at all. Colt McCoy's been in the league for ages. For as long as I can remember. Since I started following the NFL. I remember him in Texas and he got hurt in the national championship game against Alabama. And now he is a journeyman backup. A few years ago, I saw him play with the Giants in 2020 when Daniel Jones got hurt against the Bengals. And he was a bridge slash serviceable backup then. And now he's been with the Cardinals for about two years now. He's made a few appearances. Given, you know, he's not as good as Kyler Murray. But, you know... He'll give you what he can, honestly. And uh, that's honest football from him. But tonight, it wasn't good enough. The Patriots beat him 27-13. to Beat the Cardinals, that is. I'm sorry. Colt McCoy was basically laying in his back for a majority of it. Six times that man was sacked. Three of them from Josh Uche. Patriots defense is something that will never be replicated ever which is how consistently good it is because once Belichick steps down it's it's not going to be replicated ever but uh let's get into some stats here Mac Jones was 24-35 with 235 passing yards no touchdowns one interception he also had a scuff up type situation with Matt Patricia again um if this keeps on happening Patricia has to go I think you have Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running your offense you saw how Patricia ran the Lions you saw how Joe Judge ran the Giants neither of them are capable of being offensive coordinators it's crazy. Patricia was known as the defensive coordinator, and Joe Judge was known as a special teams coordinator. Special teams coach. And they both are running your offense. I mean, Patriots 7-6. It's, you know, they're just consistent. It's crazy to me. Ramondre Stevenson was hurt. 
He had three rushes for eight yards, and he also had two catches. So a total of five touches. He was out with an ankle injury. So Pierre Strong Jr., a rookie, had five rushes for 70 yards today for a touchdown, with one touchdown. His long being a 44-yard rush today. He also had two catches for 20 yards. I don't see how the Patriots just continue to pump out serviceable running backs like this. Stevenson was is a dual threat running back. Then you also have Damian Harris, who everyone thought he was going to start this year. And then Stevenson's like, hey, I'm going to take that from you. Then Pierre Strong Jr., he balled out tonight too. It showed how many holes are in that Cardinals defense. I don't care if they have washed up J.J. Watt or Buda Baker or Isaiah Simmons. It doesn't matter. Your team's horrible, and Cliff Kingsbury needs to go. A bad hire in the first place even looks worse on you after the extension. That man's there until 2027. Enjoy that, Cardinal fans. But, Colt McCoy, he also went 27-40 of 40 with one interception and 246 passing yards. He did what, his, he, did what he could. James Conner proves that whenever they actually give him the ball and let him do his thing, he's good. 15 rushes for 85 yards and a touchdown, 6 catches for 29 yards. That's phenomenal. Over 100 yards and 21 touches altogether for your running back. If he could stay that consistent, they're going to enjoy him. I know it's late in the season, but last year he led the league in rushing, in rushing touchdowns. He showed he could do it. He just needs to be more consistent with it this year. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had a, you know, a good game. Some might say it could have been better. But, I mean, seven catches for 79 yards. You really can't sneeze it. He had a fumble. That fumble was recovered for a touchdown. So, depends on how you look at it there. But, he was responsible for six points for the Patriots. Robbie Anderson had his best game of the Cardinal today. Four catches for 50 yards. He hasn't really done a damn thing since he came from Carolina. Receiving-wise for the Patriots, Hunter Henry had three catches for 70 yards. This man needs more touches. He really does. He's too good to only get three catches in a game. He had three targets, three catches. Give him the ball. Come on. He's good. I know you're capable, Belichick, of running a good tight end featured offense. Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. I know you had Brady at quarterback, but Hunter Henry's good. Jonu Smith, he's not the best. He's not the worst either. He could do something. Let him cook a little bit. Wide receiver-wise, Kendrick Bourne had five catches for 47 yards. That led to receivers and catches and yards. 
So that improves the Patriots 7-6. Cardinals go down to 4-9. Cardinals virtually eliminated after this game now from the playoffs. The Patriots, since the Jets lost, that bumps them up to the 7th seed. Right now, the Patriots are looking... I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, not the Patriots. The AFC's playoff picture. You're looking at 10-3 and three with the Bills. 10-3 with the Chiefs. That's your respective 1-2. and two. Your 3 is the Ravens at 9-4. and four. Your 4 is the Titans at 7-6. and six. God, I hope they don't make the playoffs. I'm tired of seeing them play. That might be because I've seen the Titans play almost every single game all my life since I lived in Tennessee. And that's what the market calls for. Give me a break. They suck. They're not good. They're not a good team. You stopped Eric Henry. You stopped the team. That's it. The Bengals, they're the scariest wildcard team out of the bunch here. They're 9-4. and four. I think they'll end up taking over that division. The Dolphins are 8-5. and five. They're a bit fugazi now. They've been exposed. You stop Tua. You score. And you make Tua lead that offense to come from behind and see what they could do. As you can see, a whole lot of nothing. That man had 10 completions last night. You have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and you only get 10 completions? Give me a break. And then the Patriots now are the 7th seed at 7-6. and six. In the hunt, you have the Chargers at 7-6. and six. They were the 7th seed last night until the Patriots won. The Jets, they came into the week at the 7th seed at 7-6 and six now. They're on a three-game skid. I'd start to worry, Jets fans. And then you have the Jaguars at 5-8. and eight. The only reason why they're being mentioned is for the division. If they lose one more game, they're eliminated from the division race. Now, over to the NFC. The Eagles at 12-1. They're the only team to clinch a playoff berth. The Vikings are 10-3. and three. A lot of people are calling them frauds. And I kind of understand why. They should have beat the Lions. They shouldn't have been embarrassed like that against the Cowboys. They shouldn't have been embarrassed like that against the Eagles earlier this year in Philadelphia. Eagles fans. You're not Eagles fans, I'm sorry. Vikings fans. Be prepared for heartbreak this postseason. It's going to happen. The Niners at 9-4. Nine and four. Man, they're just a well-oiled machine. They could have anybody back there at quarterback and do what they did last night or yesterday against the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers' defense given is like Swiss cheese almost, but come on. They embarrassed them. It wasn't even a game after the first quarter, I think. Then you have the Buccaneers at 6-7. and seven. They're only a game up on the Panthers now, who are 5-8. and eight. This division makes me sick, nauseated, if you say. The Cowboys are 10-3. They're a scary wildcard team. 
the Commanders at seven five and one, and the Giants at seven or five and one. The Giants are only in the seventh seed because the Seahawks lost. The Seahawks looks kind of bad on offense. Whenever it's just Geno Smith letting everything happen without a run game, you have no run game, Geno Smith. Then he's going to get exposed a little bit. He had two interceptions yesterday, given he had three touchdowns, but still. You don't want multiple interceptions at all from your quarterback. And then another team in the hunt here are the Lions. The Lions own the tiebreaker over the Commanders and the Giants. The Lions are 6-7. and seven. They could do a little something-something here. Teams that I could see falling out of the playoffs? The Dolphins for sure. If the Dolphins continue to play the way they've been playing the last two weeks, I can see the Chargers taking that slot from them. And the Patriots moving up to either the 6th seed or 7th seed. Now in the NFC, I don't see the Giants making the playoffs. They're not good enough. Unless they get their act together. I know they've had a million one injuries. I've seen it. You know, I'm a fan of them. But this team does not look good at all and the Seahawks I don't see them beating the Niners next week so the Seahawks are going to be sitting at 7-7 seven and seven. and then I can see the Lions win they'll be sitting at 7-7 seven and seven. they're going to have some turmoil in that wild card slot up next we are going to go over what a weekend it was in the MLB hot stove. Hello and welcome back. Right now we're going to go over some MLB updates that's happened over the past few days. First one on the list is Kevin Kiermaier going to the Blue Jays on an undisclosed agreement. Terms of the contract haven't been released yet. He stays in his division. He was hurt a lot last year. Played 63 games. After they traded off Teoscar Hernandez, they really needed somebody. They were looking at Brandon Nimmo, but, you know, Steve Cohen stepped in and said, Hey, give me that boy. Now, the Blue Jays... Their lineup looks pretty good. They could have put Whit Merrifield out there or uh, Kevin Biggio. But Biggio really hasn't panned out for anything. Whenever his contract's up, I don't see them bringing him back at all. He just hasn't lived up to his potential. And staying on the Blue Jays, they signed Chris Bassett today for a three-year deal for $63 million. Bassett was offered a one-year deal. Didn't accept. He wanted a four-year deal or a five-year deal. Blue Jays weren't budging, and so they finally agreed on a three-year deal. Now, my opinion on Bassett, yeah, he was serviceable for the Mets this year. Did I trust him at all? No, not really. He hasn't pitched in a big moment at all in his career before this season. And in the two games the Mets needed him to do anything in, he does not show up against Atlanta, gets shelled against the Padres, gets embarrassed. I saw this man pitch in person against the Braves on the ESPN Sunday night game. 
I had to live through that game. I'm not going to put myself through that nightmare anymore of thinking about it. Speaking of the Mets, they signed the big Japanese pitcher that everyone's been clamoring over, Kodai Senga. Five years, $75 million. His stats in Japan, 104 wins, 52 losses in 11 seasons. And he's not even 30. This kid has it. It's kind of crazy how this man signs a cheaper contract, essentially, than Chris Bassett and Taiwan Walker. Two pitchers in the Mets rotation who I really didn't trust are now gone. And then we replaced them. And we also have Kodai Senga. He's going to be good. Really good. And then another signing today. Sean Manea, the lefty, stays in the division, goes to the Giants, signs a two-year deal worth $25 million with an opt-out after this first season. A lot of players are signing opt-outs, and I see why. They look at people who are going to be free agents in the upcoming class, and they see, you know, what positions are going to be out there. Manea, he's betting on himself. He's going to have a good year, and then he's going to opt out. Kind of like what Carlos Rodon did. And speaking of Rodon, the Yankees are looking a pony up to him, and they're getting an offer to get there for him. It's looking like he's wanting a seven-year deal. Personally, if I were the Yankees, would not give that to him. He's 30 years old already. My opinion, starting pitchers, they don't need more than a four- or five-year deal, depending on their age. Like, I'd give him a two-year deal with a third-year option. But he's 30. Everyone's thinking he's going to go into the best part of his career. So, get your money right on. Speaking of other free agents, the Marlins have made an offer to Justin Turner. And I hope he doesn't sign there. I wish good for Justin Turner. I do. But I hope the Marlins don't sign him. He's going to slaughter the Mets in every game they play. He's slaughtered the Mets in every game they've played against each other since he's left New York. Dansby Swanson might be going to the Cubs, the Dodgers, or the Red Sox. He has connections in L.A., he has connections in Chicago, and he has connections in Boston. I think it ranks Chicago, L.A., then Boston personally, because his wife plays soccer for the soccer team in Chicago, and then he has his best friend, Freddie Freeman, in L.A., and then you have the Red Sox. The Red Sox are going to try to do anything to fill in that hole at shortstop, so they could try to make any sort of offer to Raphael Devers so he could stay, but it's looking like Devers is going to turn down whatever contract offer he's offered. That man's one out of Boston. Boston's not one to spend any money, really. They frantically signed that guy from Japan four years, $84 million, the outfielder. But I don't see the Red Sox competing for anything the next few years. They're also looking at some starters, but I don't know why they don't go re-sign Nathan Evaldi. He was their ace this year. Evaldi's good. I could also see him trying to sign Noah Syndergaard, and Syndergaard having a halfway decent year, and then him getting dealt the deadline. 
Syndergaard's going to be one of those players that end up, when it's all said and done, playing on like nine different teams, getting traded five different times. Like, there's no market for him without just he is. And today, we had a three-team trade. Oh, I'm sorry. Before we get to that, Christian Vasquez was also signed today. Three-year deal. The money hasn't been released yet. Going to Minnesota. And speaking of Minnesota, Minnesota is willing to give Carlos Correa the biggest contract offer in that team's history. Man, I'm kind of curious what that contract's going to look like. It's probably going to be more than Byron Buxton's contract. Buxton's good, if you say healthy. Correa's good. But the Yankees are looking at Correa, the Cubs are looking at Correa, and the Giants are looking at Correa. The Dodgers, they already, you know, they already stepped out of the race for them because they don't want any backlash from their fans. And that's what I think Yankees fans are going to complain about if they sign him. But anyways, back to the three-team trade that happened today. The Braves, they traded Kyle Muller, Freddie Tarnock, Roybert Salinas, Manny Pena, William Contreras, and Justin Yeager. Contreras and Yeager going to the Brewers. Muller, Tarnock, Salinas, and Pena going to the Athletics. The other two teams involved in the trade, the Brewers and the A's. The Brewers get William Contreras, Joel Paimpins, and Justin Yeager. Joe Painpins comes from the Athletics. And the Athletics received Kyle Muller, Estre Ruiz, Freddie Tarnock, Roy Salinas, Manny Pena. Now, Sean Murphy going to the Braves, that's good for the Braves. He's coming off a gold glove year. He's not a free agent until 2026. He's coming off his career statistically best season, batting 250, 18 home runs, 66 ribbies. But he's a career 236 hitter, and he only has 46 home runs under his belt. Yeah, he's considered, you know, one of the top defensive catchers in the game. Everyone's like, oh my god, the Braves got their catcher. But Darno hits better than him. And Contreras hit way better than both of them. Given Contreras only played in 97 games. But still, it's something you gotta look at. Contreras... Um, okay, we're going to look at the Brewers part here. Contreras played 97 games, 20 home runs, 278 batting average, and he's an all-star. Joel Paimpins, 28-year-old reliever, coming from Oakland to Milwaukee. He's he's coming off a year where he's 3-6 and six in 41 games with a 323 average ERA. He was traded from the Royals to the Athletics. And then Justin Yeager, he was a 2019 33-round pick for the Braves. So, he's a relief pitcher, and he's very, very young. He's only at three years in the minors. He pitched in high A and double A. He has a 1-0 record and a 310 ERA. Paimpins going to the Brewers. It's good. It's good for the Brewers. We're going to try to have... You know, a closer by committee, and he'll fill in for him. 
Contreras, he's going to blossom, I think. But his home run numbers are going to dip a little bit. His average, I could see it, you know, rising a little bit. But if his home run numbers dip, then his average is going to dip a little bit because it's a bigger park in Milwaukee. And then we're going to look at this from the athletics standpoint. They got the number one prospect from the Braves, Kyle Muller, who's pitched in 12 games with a 5.14 ERA over two seasons with a 3-5 and five record. He's a starter. Estory Ruiz was from the Padres system. That was in the Josh Hader trade. He was the number eight ranked prospect in the mayor in the Milwaukee system. Ruiz in the majors only played 17 games last year for the Padres and 171 games. In the minors, he played 114 games, spent 332, 16 home runs, and 85 stolen bases. And that's between double A and triple A. Freddie Tarnock was the Braves' number six prospect. He pitched in double A and triple A this year. 23 starts, 4 and 3 record, and a 405 ERA. Roybert Salinas, he is some organization depth. I think he's a starting pitcher. Pitched in high A and low A with a 5 and 8 record, a 355 ERA, and 25 games started between the two levels. He could become a good number three starter, number four starter, if everything goes good for him. And then, the part of the trade that pisses me off the most. Manny Pena, 35-year-old bum, is exactly what I have wrote down for him. 414 games played in his entire career. He's a career 243 bat and average hitter. I don't know why he had to be part of this trade. Why? Because the athletics were like, oh my god, we need a catcher since we just traded off the only player with any sort of relevance on our team. Yeah, um, if you're an athletic fan, why? Last year, going into the season, well, I'm sorry, not, not, not even last year, two seasons ago, you had Mark Canna, you had Chris Bassett, you had Starling Marte, you had Sean Manea. Like, come on. You had those guys, and they're not there anymore. You had Frankie Montas. You had Matt Olson. Matt Olson played 162 games in Atlanta. Really? You could have got something more out of him. Or just, I don't know, compete? That's an option. I don't know why the Athletics do this every once in a while. They'll they'll get good players. Moneyball, the movie, shows it exact. What is wrong with that organization? They don't want to spend money. And you know what? I think the MLB needs to step in on that, honestly. I'm tired of small market teams doing this continuously over and over and over again. Service time manipulation. You know, you get a good star player or an all-star level player or just a good role player. And then they trade them off. And then rinse and repeat about five years later. Come on, man. You're a storied franchise. Do something. Please. Make it enjoyable for the 2,000 fans that's going to be there for you on opening day. If that. Like, come on. Show that you're actually trying. 
I know you're in a tough division. You have the you have the Astros, you have the Mariners. The Mariners, they're on the they're on the rise. All right. You have the Angels. You don't know what anyone's gonna do with the. You don't know what the Angels are gonna do. The Angels don't even know what the Angels are gonna do. Speaking of the Angels, Shohei with his contract to final years arboration, he has twenty eighteens blocked for trade, except for one. That's the New York Mets. Why? Because Billy Epler was the manager for the Angels. Whenever the Angels signed Otani. That's something to think about. And then you also have the Rangers. The Rangers, they're trying to buy themselves out of a rebuild. Seager, Simeon, DeGrom. Those three big signings. Bochi out of retirement. Come on, man. What are they going to do? They have a nice stadium. They had a nice stadium before the new one. But I digress. They, uh... The West is a mess. Always been a mess. Now, something that's scary is the NL East. You have the Mets, 101-win team. You have the Braves, 101-win team. And then you had the Phillies, who were 14 games back. And they end up being the best team in the National League. And they just got Trey Turner. But, you also gotta look at it like this. Bryce Harper, they don't know how long he's gonna be out for. You have Schwarber. Maybe Schwarber could finally get out of that leadoff role. Don't know why he was a leadoff hitter. But, he led the National League in home runs. You gotta respect it. JT Romuto had a bit of a down year statistically. But, he's still something you gotta be worried about. Because, whenever he's at his peak, he's pretty good. Their bullpen, I'd like to see them address their bullpen some more. Or not, if I'm speaking biasly. But, unbiasedly, uh, upgrade your bullpen, please. For the love of God, I'm tired of seeing it being filthy. But, biasedly, here, the Mets fans speaking now, um, don't do a damn thing to your bullpen. Please. And, uh, maybe, uh, give us Zach Wheeler back. <laughs> a man can wish, right? Well... I'm going to wrap this up, and my final thing I'm going to say here on this part is that the Mets are exploring their options with Carlos Carrasco. Carrasco is on his last year of his contract, which was a $14 million option that the team picked up on, and if they trade him off, I don't know what they're going to get for him, honestly. Because they're wanting the idea of Tyler McGill and or, or, I'm sorry, not and or, or David Peterson in and out slot. Um, no. If you're going to be playing for a championship like everybody is expecting you to, you need to keep Carlos Carrasco. Carrasco needs to stay. He's well liked. The fans love him. And guess what? He's good. I know his stint in New York, he hasn't been the healthiest, but guess what? He beat cancer. That man has that dog in him. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up this portion. Hope you like it, hope you enjoyed, and I hope you return for more. See ya.